everybody, welcome back to Spoiler Reels. If you're new to the podcast, welcome to Spoiler Reels. I'm your host, my name is Angel. And as I mentioned before, if you guys are new to the podcast and you started off with the most recent episode, maybe you guys have time, check out the old episodes. I might have reviewed a film that you've been wanting to uh listen to a review of it or uh, you know a rating or anything like that you know i might have done one of the movies you were probably interested in and go ahead and check it out and of course you guys can always let me know in the comments below on instagram spoiler reels spoiler underscore reels as you guys know that's where i put all my content out there um basically everything that i'm i've uh recorded uh, so far and that's where you guys can message me and let me know if there's certain movies you want me to review or rate or anything like that you guys can always let me know of course on instagram so uh, and also of course spoilers everywhere as you guys already seen the title of which movie i'm going to be reviewing uh, so if you haven't seen it and you want to watch it uh, as i mentioned pause this uh, uh, episode watch the film come back and then see if you agree or disagree with my review and or rating of this film and i think that's pretty much it let's go ahead and get started and now we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation all right as uh, obviously, as I mentioned, you guys can tell from the title, we are reviewing VHS 2. Uh, of course, you guys, as I mentioned on the last episode when I did the first VHS, that I was going to do the um, other VHS films and, uh, and review them, rate them, and all that. Obviously, as I mentioned, the last time I seen these films, uh, was back in, I want to say, 2018, 2019, somewhere around there. Um, I didn't have my podcast back then, so, uh, you know, I figured after doing the Hell House movies, I figured I could come back and rewatch the VHS films and do my review and my rating for them as well. As you guys know, I'm a huge horror fan, so watching these films again was, you know, it's was a good thing and I, i've already done vhs1 you guys can take a look at that episode there today i did the vhs2 uh which honestly i think in my opinion i think it's better than the first one um i think this one goes in more uh more creative uh more creative stories um uh, i there's one in particular that I enjoy the most out of all of them, and I'll get to it eventually. And uh, and again, guys, I'm going to do the VHS 3 viral, uh, which I do remember seeing that one as well. I remember watching these like back-to-back, basically, and I remember not liking the third one. It, it's been a while, so I, as I mentioned, I'm going to do the episode on that one again. Unfortunately, though, I'm not sure if I'll be able to do the newest one, the VHS 94, because it's from the looks of it, I have to be subscribed to like YouTube and all that stuff, and I'm not trying to do that. So uh, if I can't get a hold of a digital copy, I more than likely won't be able to review that film. I'll try though. I, I'm gonna definitely try to see if I can get a, a copy of it and, and uh, watch it, so that way I can do a review. Because I also do want to do the, 
the rankings of the uh, of the the stories of each one of them and kind of rank them from worst to best, which I'll do later on. But as of right now, let's focus on VHS two here. Uh, this one uh, was also a horror thriller. Uh, this one came out in 2013, so a year after from the first one. Uh, this one, and this one, what I liked about this one too as well is that it's an hour and 36 minutes. The, so it cut basically 20 minutes from the first one. The first one's almost two hours long, which I felt wasn't necessary for that kind of film. This one, I think, however, they knew what they were getting themselves into. They knew what it was, and they cut it just 20 minutes, and I think it's perfect uh, for a film like this. And um, IMDb gave it a 6 out of 10. Of course, I'll give you guys my, my rating at the end of the, of the review. You guys already know this. Uh, this was released on July 12, 2013. The directors here are Simon Barrett, Adam Wingard, Timo Giganto, uh Gareth Evans, Jason Eisner, Eduardo Sanchez, and Greg Hale. The budget on this was 350000 so I think like $100,000 more from the first one. And if the box office, it got uh, $805,000 in return. So not a whole lot because the first one, I believe, was like $1.9. It made $1.9 million. But um, I think because of the first one, which, as I mentioned, it's not bad, but it's not great, which I figured the second one didn't garner a lot of attention uh, for it. So it didn't make that big of a uh, of a hit on the box office. But. What sucks is that this one actually, in my opinion, was a little bit better than the first one. Uh, but it is what it is there. Uh, the cast here, guys, let me get to the cast. Um, a few of them reprising the roles from the uh, first one. Adam Wingard, as I mentioned, as Herman. Uh, Simon Barrett as Steve. Hannah Hughes as Clarissa. Uh, Kelsey Abbott as Aisha. Elsie Holt as Kyle. Uh, Mindy Robinson as Tabitha. John T. Woods as Dr. Fleisker, Lawrence Michael as Larry, Monica Sanchez as Hotel Maid, uh, Jay Saunders as the Biker, Hannah Al-Rashid as Lena, uh, Oka Antara as Malik, Pashiri Albar as Adam, Roxanne Benjamin as the Zombie, uh, Epi Kuznandar as the father who I think killed it, man. He killed that fucking role. Samantha Gracie as Jen, uh, Jeremy Sanders as Zach, and that's pretty much the main heavy hitters there for the film. Let me give you the quick overview. As they search for clues uh, to the whereabouts of a missing student, which I believe was Kyle, uh, a couple uh, a couple view the ghastly stories recorded on a collection of videotapes. So it's similar to the first one, guys. Uh, it, it's 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 kind of crazy how like they stick to that same story. I always feel like it, it makes me feel like it's somewhat of a cult, in a way. Like they do this uh, to people, unexpected people. I think in a way because these two group couples who I think are like um, like uh, uh, do like they do like news and stuff like that. I think reporters or some shit, and uh, they get sent out into this house and all uh, looking for that student. I think they're, I guess, detectives or something like that. And uh, once they walk in into this uh, abandoned house, as we mentioned from the first one, uh, as soon as they walk into the living room, there you there you see like stacked TVs as like just like the original one, just like the first one, uh, only minus the dead body on this one. Uh, 
So VHS 2 is originally titled SVHS, is a 2013 found footage horror anthology film produced by Bloody Disgusting, a sequel to VHS. Uh, it comprises four uh, found footage segments linked together by a fifth frame narrative. VHS 2 features a largely different group of directors, as I mentioned the other ones. Um, and the, I, I, as I mentioned, the film is presented as an anthology, short short horror films built, built into a frame narrative, which acts as its own short horror film. Each short film is linked together with the concept of found footage. Each segment is from the VHS tapes found in the first film. So let's get started here with the uh, with the plot here, guys. As I mentioned, uh, it's almost it's almost similar from the first one, but the, I think the difference the differences are the short horror films, which I, in my opinion, I think were more creative in the second one. Yes, it's ha yes, it has its flaws as as the first one does, but I think this one can be overlooked a little bit simply because of how it's shot, uh, what their story entails and whatnot. But we'll we'll get to that eventually. Uh, so tape uh, forty nine frame narrative, the prologue. This was directed by Simon Barrett, written by Simon Barrett. Uh, Uh, a college student's mother uh, requests uh, that Larry, a private investigator, that's what they are, <laughs> sorry, and his girlfriend, Aisha, also a private investigator, look into the disappearance of her son, Kyle. After breaking into Kyle's uh, residence, they discover a large number of televisions displaying white noise, as I mentioned, just like the first one. A stack of VHS tapes and a laptop that is currently recording a video that also contains the tapes from the previous film. Contains the tapes from the, uh, including tape 56, which was from the first VHS uh, film. On the laptop recording, Kyle discusses the VHS tapes. Kyle was that missing student that the mother uh, hired the private investigator to look for. Um... Uh, he discusses about the VHS tape, saying that where, saying where he got one of the most recent ones. Larry tells Aisha to watch the tapes while he inspects the house. And you guys are probably wondering why they would do that. Uh, it's mainly because they're private investigators. They need to look into information. They think that maybe they they can find something in the uh, in the uh, on the tapes that maybe they can use. Uh, you know. Either to do whatever it is, they're private investigators. How you know? I don't know what they do with it, but you get you get where I'm going with that. <laughs> um, a uh, oh, and then once she begins, he goes walks around the house to just to make a look, make sure that there's nobody there. Um, as soon as she tries to look at the the VCR and the tapes or whatever, a figure appears out from the shadow and watches her, which I thought was felt kind of creepy and unsettling. He just kind of fixes half of his body from a door frame and as soon as she pops in the movie the first short horror story kicks in which is phase one clinical trials which i thought was a pretty good one uh directed by adam wingard written by simon barrett and it starts off as herman middleton uh herman is the, the main character on this uh the first short film uh, horror film is sitting in a doctor's office as the doctor examines his camera 
The camera is fitted into an ocular implant that has replaced Herman's right eye after it was damaged in a car accident. The doctor informs Herman that the camera will record and monitor everything he does for research purposes, and there's no way to turn it off during this time. Uh, uh, Herman is also told that he may experience some glitches, as the implant is still in its experimental stage. As he leaves the clinic, Herman notices a young red-haired girl staring at him intently. Which I in the real quick, which I th I thought kind of was a trip. Like I, I wonder if Herman knew what he was getting himself into. Like I know you were in a car accident or something, but like did you got did you give him permission to do this? I mean, it's in its early stages. They're watching your every move. Did you sign off on this, or were you just like you know do whatever the fuck you can? Or, been in a car accident I, I just think i just think something like that they would he would have to write off you know like be okay with <laughs> instead that they just planted that fucking eye on him but i mean that's that's kind of like overstepping i think that's overthinking a little bit i, I don't think it matters on this in this kind of film uh as he lives the clinic Herman notices a young red hair uh, uh staring at him returning home herman passes time by playing video games and eventually gets up for tea so while we're while uh as you uh as obviously the found what I really like even though it's found footage it's not always someone holding a fucking camera. What I liked about this film is that if it, uh, they find ways to make it seem like found footage, it's not like always someone holding a handheld uh, video recorder or a phone or anything like that. Like in this case, we're watching his point of view like. As a viewer, we're watching it through his eyeball, that fucking eyeball that has a camera. And I thought that was great. Um, uh, let's see. But the video eventually gets up the tea. He returns from the kitchen to find his game controller far from where he originally left it, followed by the tea kettle crashing to the ground suddenly. Uh, so he goes and picks it up, kind of starts tripping out a little bit. You, uh, after he's, this starts happening, just little glitches here and there start happening in his eye. Uh, later, Herman sees what appears to be a figure lying beneath the sheets of his bed. Uh, but when he pulls back the sheets, the bed is empty. Uh, and then Herman then finds himself face to face with a bleeding man who appears to be dead, causing him to flee to the bathroom. This scene, I, I do remember uh, watching it for the first time. I, I get, again, I watched it back in 2018, 2019, somewhere around there. And... Uh, and uh, I mentioned that that when I watched it, I I did kind of that jump scare did kind of affect it uh, affect me a little bit. It did make me jump a little bit. Um, the only problem with that thing is is there wasn't not the makeup on the on this on this uh, dead body is. Uh, I think they could have just gotten a little better. Uh, he just looks like he looks like a zombie from um, uh, Romero's old school uh, zombie movie. Like not a you know not a whole lot. You would think it would be a little bit more gruesome looking, but um, you know I, the makeup it's okay. But I th I thought they could have added a little bit more to it, a little creepier and, and you know. Uh, but you know other than that, I'm you know that's just my thought, I guess. Um, so he then he runs to the uh, <laughs> to the bathroom after phoning his doctor to complain about what happened. Herman emerges from the bathroom and encounters the man again, this time with a young girl who also appears to be dead. And he kind of walks through this hallway 
and he sees like this it's all dark but he sees this small outline figure and of course it's this girl as soon as this light pops up somehow the girl shows up he freaks out he falls and then as soon as he looks back again the little girl's right there in front of him again and this is another thing with the same thing i think the little girl if you see that scene, it, it was scary and it was effective. But as soon as you like see it, it looks like there's, there's not enough makeup on this girl. Um, and not only that, the girl kind of just stands there as if she's kind of like shy. She looks shy from like people like, you know, putting a camera in front of her face. And she kind of just has that shy look. And it's not really that scary as it kind of like if you just if you see it. If you pause it, you just look, you just see that she's just kind of like looking all shy. And it's not that effective after a while. Um, I thought they could have just done something a little bit better or made the little girl make a, like a scarier face or add more makeup to it. And that's why I'm saying like, I think it could have been a little bit better there. Uh, bathroom. Returning to the bathroom, Herman is disturbed by repeated banging on the door and ends up sleeping in the bathtub overnight. The next morning, Herman emerges from the bathroom as everything seems to be normal, albeit his room is in more disarray than the night before. Later, the red-haired girl from the hospital appears at his door and requests to be let in, as she, as she too is experiencing a similar situation. Uh, which I kind of tripped out because when he woke up in the morning, he just kind of walked around his house, laid down, and then fell asleep again. And then he didn't wake up till like 7 p.m. And that's when the girl came by. So I was like, damn, that's kind of weird. Like, like, you just fell asleep the rest of the night. I guess you freaked out, but you still fell asleep. And now you go back out there and fall asleep and wake up till 7? Dude must have been really fucking tired. Um, <laughs> uh, so let's see. Let's be laid in. And she is giving her name as Clarissa. She explains that she was born deaf and had a a cochlear implant installed in her ear, giving her the ability to hear new frequencies, including ghosts of dead people. Herman suggests removing the implant to make the ghost go away, but Clarissa says doing uh, says that doing so will only keep Herman from seeing the ghosts. As Clarissa claims that the ghost will get stronger and more dangerous the longer one the longer one pays attention to them. An overwrite underwear clad man appears behind her yeah this one just seemed like he just kind of looks up and you just see this uh you know heavy set dude uh just kind of staring at them looking all dead um uh herman alerts her to his presence but clarissa says she already knows he is there and that that he is her uncle who according to her wasn't a nice person clarissa then initiates sex with herman to divert his attention away from the ghosts Here's the one thing I, I mentioned is like, why does it matter if he can't see the ghost anymore? But then she mentions the more he interacts with them or sees them, the more they get dangerous. Well, then take the fucking eyeball then. It's better not to see them, right? You can't see them. They, you can't, you, they can't get stronger and they won't hurt you. So I think the longer he has that fucking implant, I think it makes it worse, right? So why is she telling him not to fucking do it? Because she won't see the ghosts? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> That's the whole fucking point. I don't want to see them. I said, like, all right, fine. Uh, sometime later, Herman awakens and sees Clarissa sleeping on the couch. He finds the young girl in his bed and 
and flees before witnessing Clarissa being dragged into the pool by an unseen entity. Despite Herman's best efforts to save her, Clarissa drowns. Running back through the house in an attempt to escape the ghost, Herman once again locks himself in the bathroom and uses a straight razor to cut out the implant. The ghost of Clarissa and her uncle appear in the bathroom as uh, Herman tries to escape it, but he unwittingly runs directly into the ghost of the man and young girl. With the former throttling, throttling him, the man grabs the implant and shoves it deep into Herman's throat, presumably killing him. And that's the first horror story. As I mentioned, I do remember liking it when I first saw it. Now watching the second time, I realize it's still good and it's still effective on certain scenes, no doubt about it. But then you start, kind of, I guess me, I'm kind of, I guess, nitpicking here. But, uh, you know, as I mentioned, some of the ghosts, I think they could have looked a little bit more scarier. I think they've added more makeup. I get it. It's a low budget film. I get it. You know, uh, maybe they didn't have enough to enough budget to do it. I get it. I just feel like if they could have just made them look more bloody or more look more menacing or something like that and not look all shy or a fucking zombie from uh, Romero's old school zombie movies and something like that. No disrespect, but I'm just saying like, you know, in the 2013, you know, we had more gory shit. So I'm wondering why they didn't go that route. But other than that, I still liked it the first time I seen it. The second time I kind of look at it, but still, I still enjoyed it. I still liked it. It's not bad. Uh, back in the frame story, Aisha calls Larry into the room where they discuss the tape's uh, legitimacy. Larry tells Aisha to continue viewing the tapes, <laughs> which is all right. Uh, she continues playing Kyle's video where he explains that the tapes must be watched in a proper sequence to affect you. Aisha finds a new tape, inserts it into the VCR, and proceeds to watch it. Which kicks in the second uh, fucking the second uh, horror story. And this guy again, the other guy is just still looking around, looking for anything that he can find while she's watching these tapes. Uh, this one's directed by Eduardo Sanchez and Greg Hale, uh, written by Jamie Nash. This one's uh, the second story is called A Ride in the Park. Um, this one was a pretty good one. I actually did like this one. Uh, uh, as far as the uh, found footage, the found footage is basically through the guy's uh, GoPro on his helmet because he's just he's running he's riding his bike through the forest, and always we see the whole action happen through this GoPro, which I thought was a good idea. Um, after answering a call from his girlfriend Amy, a, uh, the cyclist Mike Sullivan affixes a camera to his helmet and goes on a bike ride through the woods of State Park. Suddenly, Mike runs into a hysterical, injured, blood-covered woman, begging him to help her boyfriend before she begins vomiting blood. Mike then sees several zombies approaching them. Before the woman suddenly turns into a zombie herself and bites, uh, and bites Mike on the throat. After he manages to kill the woman, Mike staggers through the woods, heavy, heavily bleeding, before he too vomits blood, collapses, and apparently dies. I really like that whole sequence right there. Like it's just uh, it, it's it's simple but effective. You just see all this all this shit happening through his GoPro. Uh, you know that he's kind of like helping uh, the lady, and then all of a sudden he, he grabs the stick, thinking he's seeing these these figures coming towards them, thinking that they injured the woman and the boyfriend or whatever. But in reality, the way they're walking and groaning and everything, that from a, our our point of view, 
This is basically happening on some zombie apocalypse. And the guy doesn't realize it, but we're witnessing this zombie apocalypse uh, happening. And uh, through the, Go the GoPro, which I thought, like I mentioned, it's, it's, I thought it was a good idea. Of course, he gets bitten by the woman. He starts running away. But while he's running, you would think he, you know, he has a cell phone. Why not call? You know, but I think maybe he either left it on his bike or something. I don't know. But the guy ends up running away, uh, collapses, and then dies. And then all of a sudden, we hear a pair of bikers, a man and a woman, come across him and attempt to call for help. But Mike reanimates, attacks, and kills the man before proceeding to watch the woman run into the woods. Uh, he begins devouring the man as the woman returns, having become a zombie as well. Uh, he ends up biting both of them. Um, she she joins Mike in devouring the man before uh, he too reanimates. This scene right here, though, I I can't tell if they were going for comedy in this one in this particular scene because he's Mike is eating the guy. Uh, like intestines. We see this scene where he just kind of like he lifts up the shirt. If it seems like Mike is aware that he's like a zombie but he like there's like a little bit of human in him left and i'll get to a reason why but he kind of like starts you know ripping uh, the guy's guts out and his the intestines come out like vhs2 got way more gorier than the first one did the first one it was just you know nothing too crazy but this one i think they went a, a little bit more and i i liked it i like the fact that they did uh i think it gives a, a more i think it's more effective in this film and that's why i like vhs2 a little bit more than the first one um and then of course and then all of a sudden she comes the, the woman comes back slowly and then once she starts eating too the guy the guy the guy that they were eating on all of a sudden just wakes up and he just kind of like stares at them while they're like while they're eating his intestines and they, i feel like i think if you would see the scene i think you guys would think it was try to be it was trying to be comedy or funny or something because you can see the lady's helmet kind of crooked and it, it just looks somewhat funny. And I was kind of like thrown off a little bit because I was like, well, I thought this was supposed to be somewhat horror. And I, I think they were trying to throw a little bit of humor there. I don't know. I could be wrong. You guys can let me know in the comments below if I'm if I'm if I think they were trying to go for humor or. Or did they kind of drop the ball there a little bit? Um. Uh, hearing noise in the distance, the three zombies head off towards it. The source of the noise happens to be a young girl's birthday party. As I, as I mentioned, we see all this through that GoPro this whole time. The zombified trio invades the party, killing several people, some of whom reanimate to attack others. While trying to attack a man and his three daughters in their car, Mike notices his bloodied reflection in their car window. That's what I'm saying. Like He notices it? How could he notice if he's a zombie? How could he notice his his reflection? That's what I'm saying. Is there a little bit of humanity in there still? Like, is is he aware? Like, because you know, in other zombie movies, it's they're just full on zombies. They, you know, unless obviously not like that comedy movie, Warm Bodies, not nothing like that. Um, unless they were going for that, I can't tell. But that's what I'm saying. That's kind of throwing me off a little bit. Um, which seems to subdue his aggressive behavior. 
When he accidentally pocket dials Amy, he is shocked back to a semi-conscious state upon hearing her voice. Regaining some of his humanity, Mike kills himself with a discarded shotgun. This, uh, one of the guys in the party had a shotgun. I don't know why the fuck he brought a shotgun to a birthday girl's party. But that's besides the point. The guy just starts kind of blasting. And of course, he gets killed by one of the zombies, leaving the shotgun on the floor. And Mike somehow just regains some of his humanity and just says, fuck it. Pulls the, puts the shotgun in his mouth. And as soon as he pulls the trigger, I love the scene that... Uh, that the fucking helmet just completely flies in the in the sky, and then it and it lands completely right there, face uh, showing basically Mike, uh, the brains coming out and everything like that, and, and he's completely dead. And then the movie ends. Uh, back in the frame story, Larry re-enters the room and finds Aisha staring at the TVs, t- uh, TVs in a hypnotized state with her nose bleeding. After being woken from her trance, Aisha says she has a migraine. Larry leaves to find medicine as a seemingly entranced Aisha proceeds to pick up a new tape and insert it into the VCR. As she watches, the figure from earlier crawls out from the shadows and watches her. This time, before the, when he first came out, uh, he was just standing there. The second time he comes out while she's putting the VHS tape, it's on, it's on her right side. And he's kind of like crawling. Yeah, this time he's crawling on, on all fours. And makes it more even creepier than before. Puts on the tape. And we get our uh, third. Is that what it was? Our, uh, yeah, our third uh, horror story. And I this one to me is by far my favorite one from this film. Um and I really enjoyed this one. I think this one was the most effective out of the whole bunch. And this one is called Safe, ha- uh, Safe Haven. This was directed by Timo Jajanto and Gareth Evans. Um, and it starts off uh, Indonesia. A film crew composed of four members. Malik, the interviewer. Lena, the producer. Malik's, uh, Malik's fiance. Malik's best friend, Adam. And jo- uh, Johnny, the cameraman. Infiltrate a cult known as Paradise Gates in the, in the hope of shooting a documentary about their mysterious activities with numerous cameras, both displayed and hidden. The film crew are invited inside of the cult's compound by a woman known as Madame. Inside, they find the walls adorned in bizarre symbols, school, ch- school children in classrooms, and women dressed in white garments. The crew meets with the with uh, with and interviews the leader of the cult, a man referred to as Father. The guy that plays Father played this role so well; it was so fucking effective. This guy, if it wasn't for this guy, I don't think this movie would have been as effective as it is. This guy fucking played this role to the T. During the interview, Lena becomes ill and steps out while searching for a spare camera battery. Uh, Johnny tells Malik. Uh, while they're interviewing the main head, the father, he tells Malik that the battery was running low, so he Malik goes out to the car to look for the spare battery. Uh, Malik overhears a private conversation between Lena and Adam, where Lena reveals that she is pregnant with Adam's child. In the basement, Adam finds a woman with her womb carved out, strapped to a chair. Uh, the woman awakens and begins screaming and convulsing, causing him to run away. I mean, who the fuck would it? That scene, I'm telling you, this whole scene seems 
very unsettling. It's very dark. Um, you just you don't feel comfortable at all through this whole fucking this whole fucking uh, short film here. Uh, while father is being interviewed, a bell chimes and he suddenly announces the time of reckoning over the intercom. The cultists begin a mass suicide via poison and gunshots, while Johnny has his throat cut by his father after repeatedly interrupting the announcement. That scene right there, when he did that, he, the way he, he tells him the first time, he, he puts that, that box cutter, and he puts it all the way up, and he, and he slams it on the, on the desk, and he tells him, do not, if you fucking do it again, I will cut you. And then, of course, uh, when father does his announcements and all that stuff, he rips his shirt and there's like he he uh, he rips his shirt where there's like a, a weird symbol on his belly on his stomach. Um, and Johnny was kind of like, "Oh shit! Like, what's going on? Are you okay?" And then so to to father that was interrupting him again. He got upset, grabs the fucking uh, box cutter, jumps on the desk, and then jumps on Johnny. And then uh, Johnny, every each one of the each one of the camera guys, each each four of the members has a camera on their on their shirt, hidden the hidden cameras that that uh, they didn't want them to see that they're recording. And so from his point, Johnny's point of view of the camera, you just see Father just kind of slowly pressing the the uh, the box cutter onto his throat, stabs him, and then once he pulls it out, he completely slices Johnny's face or Johnny's uh, throat. And then, as it's happening, you see from uh, the uh, Johnny's point of view of the camera, just the blood gushing all over father, all over uh, the father, and he's just loving it, man. He's like bathing in it and everything like that. And he starts humming this song and whatnot. I mean, this fuck, this one was—I'm telling you—it's the most effective one out of the bunch. It seemed very fucking realistic. Um. Uh, where am I here? Um, Elena is abducted by several women in surgical apparel, and Malik is shot uh, dead by one of the cult members. As Adam attempts to rescue Lena, an explosion knocks him back. Um, after watching a person crawl across the ceiling, he stands and attempts to advance to the, into the fiery room, only to be intercepted by Father. Covered in blood with the cult symbol written on it, who then proceeds to explode into a cloud of blood and organs. I did <laughs> this, it fucking nuts. Adam finds Lena, who has the cult symbol carved into her skin, placed on an altar. He kills Madame, but is unable to save Lena, watching as the horn demon, uh, demon the, the cult worships, which resembles the Baphomet tears its way out of her body but before that there was like four girls holding her down and while he was just trying to take the, the arms off uh from his point of view uh, adam's point of view camera um she he he looks at them and they're basically completely possessed there's the eyeballs are all white and they, they look completely demonic uh, but he managed to escape but unfortunately the fucking the demon comes out and completely tears her body apart as Adam attempts to flee, he is attacked by the previously deceased cultists and schoolchildren, including Johnny and Malik, who you would think they seem like zombies from the way they move and act and look, but I think they're just completely possessed by demons. And my, at least in my point of view, I don't because there's no reason to think that they're zombies. 
at least at least from the way I thought I think they were I think they were just possessed by demons um well I get I guess it says here who have <laughs> who have all turned into zombie like ghouls I didn't really I didn't really see it like that except for Malik who's it made it sound like it but I, I I to me when I because I was it's a cult you know uh the cultists basically fucking you know, claiming demons and devils and all this shit, so you would think they would be possessed. As he finally manages to get outside and get into the car, he drives off only to be ran by the demon and seriously injured. As he crawls out of the car wreckage, the demon looks down on Adam before calling him Papa. The revelation that the demon is, in fact, his child, uh, his child drives Adam insane. He laughs hysterically before the camera malfunctions. And then the movie, uh, the that story ends. There's this one scene that I thought was so fucking effective was Adam coming, uh, running back. This, there's, there's actually one thing I didn't really like, is that when you see the camera's point of view, you can't tell who the fuck is who, unless, like, unless someone mentions their name. But like when you when you see everything going down, everything fucking just like, you know, hit, when shit hits the fan. You just see people running from that camera's point of view, but you can't tell if it's which member it is um, until you see that other member in um, front of the camera. Then you realize, oh, we were following this dude this whole time. So it, it was a bit confusing as far as as my uh, my opinion goes, I guess. It was a bit confusing there. But then as we've seen uh, Adam's, uh, not Adam, I'm sorry, Malik's point of view, uh, when he runs back in, in um, into the temple, there's this scene where like every like while father is in the intercom saying amen and all this and doing his his ritual and all that these the group of guys basically have their guns and then they're like amen and then they just basically shoot each shoot uh, themselves in the heads being a really a fucking effective effective fucking uh uh scene right there the problem is too is when Adam tried to get a pipe he got a pipe uh, to try to strike at the father. I, I didn't really get that. I was like, why couldn't you get one of these guns? There's fucking guns all over the floor. Everybody's shooting themselves. There's even, there's blocks, there's shotguns. And this guy settles for a fucking pipe. What the fuck? <laughs> like, that didn't make sense. But I really enjoyed this short horror film right here. Um... It was so fucking effective. As I mentioned, the guy, the, the the actor that plays the father, the best part. If it wasn't for him, this I don't think this would have been as effective as I as I thought. But a lot of the scenes, the way it was shot, obviously, uh, um, found, uh, found footage and stuff like that. But some of the scenes were really effective, and it was really creepy. And I think it was the creepiest one uh, from the whole from the whole film. Uh, back in the frame story, uh, Larry re-enters the room with medicine, only to discover Aisha is dead, having killed herself with a gun. Uh, a VHS tape with the word watch written on it in lipstick lies beside her. Larry picks up the tape, inserts it into the VCR, and anxiously, anxiously watches it. But before he does that, um, they're in an abandoned house. When Larry sees Aisha in the ground dead and everything like that. He's yelling for help. For someone to help him. Who the hell's going to help you? 
you guys broke into this house. I don't know if I mentioned that, but they broke into this fucking house. Like, who are you calling for help? But anyways, he, I don't know. He kind of like, he sees the tape, says watch. So he put it on. And then we get our last uh, short horror film here, which is Slumber Party Alien Abduction. This was directed by Jason Eisner. Uh, written by John Davis and uh, Jason Eisner. Brothers Gary and Randy attach a camera to their Yorkshire Terrier tank to create videos at their lakeside house. Their parents leave on a romantic getaway, giving them a list of chores in the process. After their parents leave, Gary and Randy invite their friends Sean and Danny to the house to see the uh, to um, to the house so the group can harass the brothers' older sister Jen. Jen, her boyfriend Zach, and her friends. While the group is swimming at a nearby uh, nearby lake, ambushing Jen and her friends with squirt guns filled with urine, uh, they fail to notice a gray alien hiding beneath the water. I don't think they failed to notice. I think because one of the cameras that they had, um, with the I guess they put it on the dog. I don't know what the fuck the dog was doing under the water, but uh, you see this like a small glimpse of this a gray alien just kind of like look it, it looks like he was like the alien was trying to like reach for it for them but then all you see is one of the one of the friends that was getting thrown the uh balloon with pee or whatever jumps onto the water and then all of a sudden the alien disappears but that was a nice little gl- glimpse right there seeing that alien right away but then it kind of disappears so i thought it was a pretty effective there uh later that night a group the group is startled. The group startles Jen and Zach during sex by blaring loud music and flashlight and flash uh, flashing lights. A, d- a deafening noise is heard, but the group does not notice. In retaliation, Jen and Zach attach another camera to tank as they catch one of the boys <laughs> masturbating to a porn uh, porn film. Afterwards, the deafening noise is heard again as the power goes out. Seeing a figure outside of the door, Zach goes to grab Gary and Randy's father's gun. That was another one good, too. Like, they see the two aliens just kind of, it's, it's, it's nighttime. I mean, it's fucking pitch black. And all you see is, like, you just see this small glimpse, the light going off and on. And you just see, like, two aliens just standing in front of the doors and kind of freak the, the people out in there a little bit. And I was like, whoa, that's, that was a nice little shot right there. Um where we're going uh, suddenly Zach is grabbed by the alien from earlier along with others of its kind who are revealed to be the cause of the disturbances the aliens abduct the rest of the group sealing them on their uh, sleeping bags and attempting to drown them in the lake only Gary Randy Jen and tank escape running into the woods to hide uh, but before that scene, before they get into the woods, there's, uh, they were being basically being drowned, but they managed to get um, them out. As and and sh- the girl tries to revive uh, one of the kids who, who you know who almost drowned basically, and then she starts doing the uh, you know like the mouth breathing and all that shit to kind of uh, revive the kid. But while she's doing that in the background, you just see like the the uh one of like a street like street lamp or, or a street light or whatever 
just kind of like going off and on and in the background you just see the alien just kind of crawling slowly little by little going towards them and i that was another nice effective shot right there as well uh, as soon as he revives all like the aliens are like like three feet away from them and they managed to escape going into the woods after tank inadvertently alerts the aliens to their location by barking the group runs towards what they believe to be police lights and sirens but it turns out to be a trap set by the aliens who abduct randy Jen and Gary flee to a nearby barn where the aliens drag Jen away as Gary and Tank escape up a ladder. And I and there's that if you see it kind of quick, I know it's a little bit small glimpse. It makes it look like the aliens were like eating or biting um the girl's uh face. Because it's like all of a sudden like just looks like she's kind of bleeding on the side of the cheek. It, it's really quick, but you can't really tell because obviously it's a found footage and and all that so it kind of moves a little bit but i couldn't really tell as to whether or not they were like attacking her like by like eating her or whatever but um i couldn't really tell uh as the aliens close in on gary he is suddenly pulled into the air by the alien ship's tractor beam as gary is pulled into the air his grip loosens on tank's leash and tank falls down the ladder to the floor the impact loosening the camera from his back. Mortally injured by the fall, Tank whimpers as he and the camera both slowly die. That was a pretty damn sad scene right there. You just see the you just see the dog basically flying, falling completely down, really high, and of course, like the camera obviously just lands to where we see the dog kind of whimpering and, and bleeding, and and then basically dies. Normally, we don't really see a whole lot of. That's normally like not a good thing to do is basically um injured pets or even kill pets in the movies and in this one they basically show you the dog slowly dying bleeding from the fall um which was crazy um but then of course then the film ends and then we just don't know what happened to them they either got eaten killed or just taken to outer space who knows uh so the tape 49 frame narrative epilogue after watching the tape larry watches the webcam footage and sees kyle explain that he and his mother want to make their own tape that's fucking weird but the mom is like okay with it <clears throat> kyle then attempts uh kyle then attempts suicide on camera by shooting himself through his jaw but survives with his lower jaw shattered in process and runs off moments before larry and aisha enters the house as Larry watches it, an undead Aisha suddenly rises and attacks him. In self-defense, Larry breaks her neck and rushes into the other room as Aisha chases him after him on all fours. Uh, Larry hides in a closet and shoots Aisha in the face when she finds him. Larry hears a strange gurgling sound and explores the closet, only to find Kyle has been hiding in the closet the whole time. Kyle lunges at Larry and strangles him to death. Afterward, Kyle gives the camera a thumbs up, revealing the plan he and his mother came up with being a success before turning off, turning off the camera. And then the movie ends. I, I, I can't, I don't, I don't understand the thumbs up. The guy just shot him fucking mouth off. I know he survives, but he gives a thumbs up. And I'm I'm not I I'm not understanding 
why he would give a thumbs up. This is supposed to be a horror. I can't tell if it's self-aware or uh, it's trying to be, it's trying to put humor in it. I didn't really like that though. I, it was supposed to be scary. I, I figured if, if Larry just kind of like smashed the camera or something and made it more look and, you know, menacing, more scarier, that would have been better. But to give him a thumbs up and then turn off the fucking camera, his fucking jaw's completely shattered. I, and I know, I get it, I get it that him and his mom are trying to make their own VHS kind of movie, but I didn't understand that thumbs up shit. Are you in pain? Are you alive? Like, and you're clearly, you clearly have to be dead. You're either a fucking zombie or a demon or possessed or something. Because for you to not feel that fucking pain and you giving a fucking thumbs up to the camera, I don't get it. I didn't get that. So that was kind of, that's when I was like, oh man, that I, I, guys, let me know on the, let me know in the comments. Like, am I, what am I missing here? Cause I, it kind of threw me off a little bit. I don't remember that the first time I saw it. I don't remember the, the thumbs up. Uh, I guess, as I mentioned, this was four or five years ago that I've seen it. So, um, other than that though, I did really enjoy the, the, the short horror films in this one a little bit more. Than the first one, uh, I thought I liked that they've got a little. They went a little bit more gorier. I like that they went uh, different found footage ways. You know, like also similar to the first one, like Clint in the beginning, the first one with the glasses, and there's a camera on the glasses, um, and, and stuff like that. Like I know they get creative with this. I just like you know I liked in this one that that you know hidden cameras for the cults, the cultists not to see. The, the GoPro and the helmet and the zombie one, uh, putting the the uh, putting a camera on the dog interior, um, and and stuff like that. I thought that was great. I also, you know, seeing the the zombie one, seeing that the zombie's point of view, uh, and all that. I thought that was a great, nice little touch as well. That was actually also done in another show, another zombie show as well. Um, I thought that was pretty cool too. So. Um, all in all, I think I enjoyed the VHS too, just a little bit more than the VHS, the first one. As I mentioned, at the other ones, it also has its faults. It has it has its, uh, uh, you know, some fuck ups here and there. I mean, in, for a movie like this, it's bound to happen to have some, uh, you know, some stuff that could have been fixed, could have been dealt with. But you also got to remember the budget that the budget they were working on. They didn't have a whole lot. Um, so for what they had and what they were able to do with this one and make part two just a little bit better than the first one, um, I think to me, um, is impressive. Yes, they didn't get enough. I mean, yeah, they didn't make them, uh, extra money on the side, but not a whole lot like the first one did. Um, but other than that though, guys, I think this one was way more effective as far as the stories goes. Um. And it's it's an hour and it's an hour and a half. It's an hour and a half. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's it's straight to the point. It gives you four good good four or five good horror stories in this one right here. Um, so yeah, for as my ratings gonna as my rating guys, the first one I gave it a six point five. I'm gonna give this one a seven. So I think it's definitely a, a nice recommendable film. Uh, for you, for horror films, uh, horror uh, fans to watch or uh, movie fans in general, 
I think this is a nice one to put, especially during Hall uh, Halloween. So VHS 2, to me, it gets a 7, so I think it's a recommendable film. As, as I mentioned, it has its problems. It has its faults here and there. I get it. But as far as what they were able to work with, with the budget like that, and to be very creative with their story and get a little gory in some of them, um, especially the safe haven to me, if if they ha if they did not have safe haven in this one, this movie probably would have would have fell off a little bit. I think yeah, it probably would have been right there with the first one, uh, at six point five something like that. But safe haven to me personally, in my opinion, saved this film a little bit more because that's the the most effective one I think out of the bunch there. So, uh, yeah. So again, guys. Uh, that's pretty much it for my review on VHS 2 there, guys. Uh, again, I'm going to try to watch VHS 3, as um, hopefully this week. And then uh, I'm going to try my best to do the VHS 94, which is part 4. Um, and then, because I do, I really do want to, now that I'm talking about it more and thinking about it more, I do want to do rank the uh, horror, short horror films from worst to best um, and uh, on an episode, so... Uh, I do want to watch VHS 94, so that way I get all the horror stories and whatnot in there. So try to uh, keep that in mind that I will try to do that uh, in a you know in a few weeks, hopefully. So uh, and yeah, so that's pretty much it, guys. Let me know in the comments below. Do you agree with my review? Do you agree with my rating? What did you guys think of this film? Did you like this film? Did you not? What did you guys give it? Um, do you guys agree with mine? You know, uh, just let me know. Uh, I think that's pretty much it, guys. Uh, thanks for listening, uh, and I'll catch you guys on the next episode.